You're listening to Ron's Weekly Wire. I'm Roland Elliott Brown. Before the 1979 revolution, Iran was full of foreign travelers. People came for the splendors of antiquity and for the best modern art collection in the Middle East. Hippies passed through on their way to Pakistan and India. Even Frank Sinatra and Elizabeth Taylor turned up in Tehran. But after the Islamic Revolution and the Iran-Iraq War, most people stayed away. Iran's tourism industry never really recovered. Now, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani says he wants to double tourist numbers in Iran. And he's succeeding. Last year, tourist numbers jumped by 35% to about 4.5 million people. So it looks like Iran is opening up. And Western countries are starting to relax their travel advisories. Rough Guides, a travel book publisher, has made Iran its top country to visit in 2015. Meanwhile, Iran's human rights situation keeps getting worse. As tourist numbers spike, so do executions. This week, I'm going to look at what Iran's tourism boom means, both politically and ethically. To start, I spoke to Tim Littler. He's the founder of Golden Eagle Luxury Trains, and he started running trips from Budapest to Tehran last year. I asked him why he decided to get involved in Iran. We were looking for a destination for a new train that we had taken over management of, and it seemed to coincide with the opening of the Bosphorus Tunnel, which allowed us to get from Budapest, where the train is, is based, to eastern Turkey. Logically, from there, we could get to Tehran. So things seemed to be improving in that direction. We uh, decided that the first train that we would run would be between Budapest and, and Tehran, which we did in October last year. I also asked him what he meant when he said things were improving. Well, since the, the election of uh, President Rouhani, um, they, they've been making statements saying that they want to increase tourism. So that was an indication that things might be improving in terms of access to Iran. And certainly as soon as we started asking questions, all the doors opened. At the same time, Western governments are starting to relax their travel advisories on Iran. Last month, the British Foreign Office lifted its warning against going to Iran. That's made a huge difference for tour operators. Here's Nasreen Adamadi from the tour company Persian Voyages. Uh, you know, the, the UK final advice since 2011 was not to go to Iran. If this um, rule has changed and uh, they asked, they said uh, now it's okay for UK uh, national to go to Iran. So since then, the number increased and also we had some problem with that uh, advice because uh, people couldn't get insurance or if they could get insurance it was very expensive and some of them they didn't want uh, to go unless that this um, foreign office advice changed for the favor of traveling to Iran. Our uh, client, they go in a group tour, and they are very well um, uh, supported by the, by the guide, and the guide uh, just look after them. So what's in it for Iran to promote tourism? Michael Rubin is a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. He sees a pattern repeating itself. 
Well, first of all, the Iranian tourist trade has always had its ups and downs. Ever since the end of the Iran-Iraq war, Iran started welcoming back tourists, although they focused on higher-end tourists who would take package tours and stay in the top-notch hotels, paying rates at some points 10 times the um, level that Iranians would be forced to pay. But what's in it for the Iranians? Clearly, they'd like hard currency so long as they can actually control the tourist trade instead of simply opening the floodgates. Rubin is busy these days arguing against the nuclear deal Iran has signed with the U.S. I sort of expected him to cast doubt on Iran's appeal as a tourist destination. Not so. Well, I mean, certainly Iran is attractive for any number of reasons. I lived for four and a half months in Isfahan, and I wouldn't trade that time for anything in the world. And it's just a beautiful city, a beautiful civilization, and it's not simply a single civilization. Of course, you have Seljuks, you have Safavid ruins, you have, for those interested in more modern history, you have Qajar ruins, uh, you have the ancient Achaemenid ruins. There's really something in Iran for everyone, and the landscape is also starkly fascinating, starkly beautiful. They're really, I mean, I mean, it is an undiscovered uh, tourist mecca. There's lots of room for religious tours, and should Iran be open-minded? And biblical Susa, or, or Shustar, of Daniel and the Lion's Den fame, is down in Khuzestan. Likewise, you have Hamadan, which is the site of biblical Esther from uh, the Jewish Purim story. Um, so you really have any number of um, aspects. I mean, religious tourism also applies to the Shiite world. I mean, going to the shrine of Imam Reza, for example, in Mashhad can be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Both the U.S. and the U.K. advise people to carefully consider the risks of traveling to Iran. Neither country has an embassy there to provide consular assistance. The U.S. warns that Iranian authorities have unjustly detained and harassed U.S. citizens. The UK warns that security officials may be especially suspicious of people with British connections. But they're not saying, don't go. And most people who do go don't have any problems. On the other hand, Iran may still prove choosy about what kind of tourists it wants. The Iranians want to have their cake and eat it too. They only want to attract the benefits of tourism in terms of some of the hard currency windfall, but they don't want to suffer the consequences, which would mean too many mixing or the wrong kind of tourists from the Iranian perspective. I do think it's important to recognize that the hard currency you're spending in Iran isn't going to help ordinary people as much as many believe it will. Many of the hotels have been confiscated by the Bunyadi Mustazafan, the foundation of the oppressed, for example, and that money goes directly into the pockets of the hardliners. Uh, when I went to Iran, I was very, very careful to network myself so that I was spending money disproportionately among the Jewish, Christian, and Baha'i communities, simply so that I knew that my money wasn't going to support groups like Hezbollah. Um, I'm not sure that other tourists will be as careful. This is where the question of ethical tourism comes in. So I decided to get in touch with Jeff Greenwald at a California-based nonprofit group, The Ethical Traveler. In the mid-1990s, he supported a travel boycott against Burma to help free the opposition leader, Aung San Suu Kyi. He asked tourists to, quote, vote with their wings and stay away. She was released in 2010. Iran's opposition leaders, Mir Hossein Mousavi and Mehdi Karoubi, are also under house arrest. But Greenwald says a travel boycott 
would never work with Iran, since tourism is such a small part of its economy. He traveled to Iran in 1999, and he's more inspired by the prospect of people-to-people diplomacy. Um, you know, we're behind the media curtain with, with Iran very strongly, and we have our impressions that we glean from the newspapers and magazines. But the situation on the ground and what um, it's like to meet people face-to-face and speak with them is completely different. Um, Aldous Huxley once said that to travel is to realize that everybody is wrong about other countries. And I don't think that came through anywhere more clearly than in Iran. I'm in favor of travel to any part of the world for educational purposes. I think that that's the only way you're going to understand what's going on with um, your fellow Earthlings on this planet, and that as long as you're not traveling with a group in a state of complete unconsciousness about where you're staying, where your money is going, that travel, you know, in the long run does more good than harm. But whether all sides of the Iranian political spectrum will see that contact as good is another question. Here's Michael Rubin. If Hassan Rouhani is sincere in his desire to open Iran, and I'm not so sure he is, then what we could expect are some of the tourists to become targets for those recalcitrant elements inside Iran who don't want to see this opening. Whenever you have a period of high-profile rapprochement, there's always a spoiler element as well. So, for example, back in 1998, as the so-called dialogue of civilization was gaining steam, uh, a busload of American businessmen was actually invited by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in conjunction with the Iranian presidency then under Mohammad Khatami's control. Um, that bus of state-sanctioned were set upon by a vigilante group, Fedayeen Islam. Iran has other high-profile vigilante groups, Hezbollah uh, as well, uh, simply as a way to embarrass the Khatami regime on its opening. Greenwald ran into similar trouble around the same time. But in his case, it turned into a great anecdote about Iranian hospitality. My experience in Iran, even in 1999, was I was uh, in the main square in Esfahan, in Imam Khomeini Square, watching a, um, you know, preparing to watch the total eclipse of the sun. There must have been 30 to 50,000 people in the square, and a, a lot of media from all over Europe. And about an hour before the total eclipse, an anti-American demonstration erupted at one part of the square. It was small. Um, there was about um, maybe, you know, 20 to 25. I don't know if I want to call them jihadis, but you know, people who were radical, you know, radically anti-American began burning American flags and attracting the attention of the cameras. And at that moment, spontaneously, all the people seated around me, all the men, women, and children, all the Iranians within sight of me, spontaneously, without a word, stood up and, and created a protective circle around me. They stood there in a circle around me to make sure that nothing would happen to me during this demonstration. And I was, I was so moved that never in my life will I, will I forget this. And that, to me, was the purest expression of what the Iranian people were like. There's no doubt that most travelers leave Iran warmed by the famous hospitality. Even so, every responsible traveler is going to notice the human rights situation, not least because their Iranian friends will tell them about it. And that's going to start some important conversations about Iran's new relations with the West. Here's Michael Rubin. Uh, Well, certainly that is going to be a debate, and once we get over the giddiness of the potential of opening up Iran to tourism, uh, 
this is something that's going to uh, to really come to the forefront. The first, I mean, Iran, public executions have increased dramatically under Hassan Rouhani, uh, according to Amnesty International. And the way public executions are done in Iran is to slowly strangle people hung from a crane. You're not being dropped from a platform. You're being strangled. The first time tourists start bringing back pictures of those, all the more so if the cranes are German cranes, American cranes, or British cranes um, being traded in Iran under the so-called new openness of the trade, then that's going to raise a debate. I asked Tim Littler what he felt about doing business in a country with the highest per capita execution rate in the world and prisons full of political prisoners. He sees value in helping Rouhani open Iran up. And somebody did point out that Rouhani is treading a very, very uh, narrow line, a bit like Yeltsin had to in, with the end of the Soviet Union. Somebody explained to me that, that what, the, what his, Rouhani's problem was is that it or is that more than it's more than 50 percent. But just for the sake of argument, say 50 percent of the population is saying, "Thank God we're going to join the 21st century," and the other half say, uh, "Trying to go back to the 13th century." And but it's, those are the people who got quite a lot of power. So if Rouhani goes too far one way, there could well very easily be a backlash that takes them back to a position that's even worse than it was before. I suppose it's where you draw the line. Um, lots of countries that people travel to around the world have varying human rights records. In Zimbabwe, South Africa, certainly. Uh, but there's a, there's a long, long list. If things are improving in Iran, and they appear to be, everything isn't, these things are not going to change completely overnight. But if it's going in the right direction, we should surely be encouraging that. But can travelers really influence Iran's politics? Michael Rubin has his doubts. I don't think actually that's true, um, although I agree it's the conventional wisdom. And I don't think we're going to see a moderating effect. And the reason is simple. Most of the Iranian people are already quite moderate. That said, in a country like Iran, it's the guys with the guns that matter. And if the supreme leader is technically the deputy of the Messiah on earth, I don't think having a bunch of short-clad German tourists or Hawaiian shirt-wearing Americans is really going to change his mind for the better, ditto the Revolutionary Guard. Even so, the more people know about Iran, the more they'll care what happens there. Here's Jeff Greenwald. The best thing that people can do, I think, on an individual level as travelers, is to see what the situation's like, become informed, maybe, you know, take action in groups like Amnesty International or other groups that are working to free or to help prisoners of conscience or to work against the death penalty. And, and that work is most effectively done when you're informed about the situation that's happening on the ground. And to be informed, there's no better way than to be on the ground and to speak with people. And I think what I found there in Iran is that um, many Iranians uh, shared the same concerns I did, I had about their country, and really were eager to repair friendship and ties with the United States, and, and were looking for reform. So whatever Rouhani's intentions are, his claim to be a reformer, his claim to want to open Iran to the world, may yet prove self-fulfilling. That's all from Iran's Weekly Wire. If you want to find out more about this issue, join us on Twitter or Facebook, or visit iranwire.com.